So let me ask you a question. I'm glad you're here, everybody, almost everybody. Um, if anyone, it just occurred to me something. How did you get here? I want to ask you that question. If you'd reflect on it just for a moment or two. I don't mean mode of transportation. I mean, how did you make it to this point in your journey, in your life, that you're seated here uh, doing reasonably well, even though it's probably obvious that a number are here with a measure of pain that is uh, due to all kinds of life circumstances and which is causing you uh, varying degrees of discomfort. We understand that. And yet it, it's perplexing to me. I wonder, maybe you do, how did you make it this far? It's, uh, it's an unstable world in which we live. It's rather unsettling. Uh, all kinds of things have come our way, your way. You have suffered losses of various kinds. In fact, some, even in our midst here tonight, are grieving the loss of various ones, loved ones. Some are uh, struggling with medical challenges of various kinds. and Some uh, are faced with a, a fairly dismal employment picture. Some are having financial struggles. You've gone through all of this in the course of your life and manifold uh, other things. There surely have been good days, but many bad ones as well. Good times for sure, but many bad times. And so uh, I wonder, how did you make it through it all? How have you survived it? I know tomorrow is a day we're not guaranteed, but my question and the one that perplexes me is, what would you say? How would you explain yourself? How would you explain your being? How did you make it to this point? Would you say, I'm tough? That's how I made it. I'm just tough. I just stare trouble in the face and I win. I just look to loss and I win over it. I, I'm just, it's my self-reliance that has gotten me. Th Is that how you would explain how you got this far? So many things have been experienced by you, uh, overwhelming things. Would that, would that be your explanation? My stick-to-itiveness, my resilience, is that how you would do it? Or would you be honest and would you say, in spite of all that I've gone through, in fact, in spite of what I'm dealing with right here, right now, the Lord of life is also the Lord of love. And he's the explanation for my being here tonight. Could you say something? Isn't, would you, could I ask you to be honest? Isn't that really the explanation for how you got this far? Would you dare say I read a self-help book? I have a good support system, I jog, I eat lots of carrots. Is, <laughs> don't you have to say, don't you have to say, the only explanation for me being here tonight, for me getting this far, don't you have to say, the Lord of life must really love 
me. I have my good days, you would say, and I feel close to him, but frankly, I've also had a number of days where I have chosen to distance myself from him. I have sometimes been on good behavior and other days not so good. There are days when I have had a wonderful attitude which I know is pleasing to God and yet at other times I've just been a grumbling, complaining mess of rebellious discontent and yet I've come to the conclusion that my being is due to God's insatiable appetite to not only put up with me, not only to tolerate me, but to take delight in me. Isn't it true if you're honest? I'm not asking you to be religious, just honest. Isn't it true that the best, the only reasonable explanation for your being is that the Lord of life, creator God, loves you. Isn't that true? I was reading the text for tonight. As you know, if you've been here for a while, we're in the book of Numbers, which has proven to be, I think, quite stimulating because the Hebrew title is actually in the wilderness. That tells us it's not just a compilation of numbers, it tracks Israel's journey in life from where they were to where they're destined to be, their land of promise. We're looking at Israel, not so much to be historically informed, but to see Israel as a mirror pointing into our own wilderness journey. For we too, as followers of Creator God, are not where we once were, and we're not yet where we are destined to be, we too are in our wilderness journey, and we're learning from Israel's experiences, things that pertain to our own wilderness journey. Israel experienced wars. You too. Um, Opposition, struggles of different kinds, wars and worries, and you've got plenty of them too. And Israel also experienced in the course of her wilderness wanderings uh, wells in the desert and also winds. And I want for us just to look to a few rather complicated verses um, so that we can, in watching Israel's experience, leave with just a little more reassurance that as God has been with Israel, so too he is with me because I'm part of a covenant with God as well. Watch what happens here in the text. It's Numbers chapter uh, 21, verse 10. Numbers 21, verse 10. I'll read this for you. It says, now the sons of Israel moved out, see they're traveling, and they camped in a place called Oboth. They journeyed from Oboth and camped in another place, Iabarim, in the wilderness, which is opposite Moab to the east, present-day Jordan. Uh, and from there they set out and camped in Wadi Zered, and from there they journeyed and camped on the other side of the Arnon, It's a river, which is in the wilderness that comes out of the border of the Amorites. Uh, For the Arnon is the border of Moab between Moab and the Amorites. Folks, they're on the move. 
And uh, the text is picking up speed. They've been in the wilderness for uh, approximately 40 years. Uh, they can taste the land of promise now. So they move, they set out, they move, they set out, they set out, they set out. So you get this, you get this fairly uh, breathtaking, uh, uh, accelerated uh, rate of speed into the promised land at this point. And it says in verse 14, Therefore it is said in the book of the wars of the Lord. Have you read that? Recent book of the wars of the Lord. Yeah. Anyone read that lately? That is a good answer because we don't have it. Uh, this is one of the books mentioned in the Bible, which we no longer have. It was a book, which was a journal, a record of wars in which Israel attributed her victory to almighty God. We don't have it, but we have an excerpt from it. It's quoted here. And so we read in the next verse, Waheb in Sufa and the wadis of the Arnon and the slope of the wadis. Can you see why I say this is a tough passage to apply to? <laughs> but hang in there. Uh, anyway, that extends to the side of Ar and leans to the border of Moab. From there, they continued to... Now, here's what got my attention. They continued to... It, it looks like beer, right? But Be'er is what it is. Have you heard of Beersheba or Beersheba? Have you heard of that? It's mentioned in Genesis. It means the place of the seven wells. This word, Be'er, means well. It kind of got my attention because they're in the desert, right? I mean, they're in the southern part of the land of Canaan, Israel, as we know it today. It's really dry, really, really, really dry. Water is a very valuable and rare commodity there. So now they're coming upon this place named well, Be'er. That is the well where the Lord said to Moses, assemble the people that I may give them water. And that just got my attention. Water in the desert, unexpected, unanticipated, unpredictable, and surely undeserving water. You know, this is the very people who just prior to this complained to God and to Moses, his leader. Why have you brought us here to die? You should have let us, left us alone. We could have died just as easily in Egypt. Why did you bring us to this terrible place? And yet God provides water for him in the desert. Have you had that experience? in the course of your wilderness wandering, even hot on the heels of your very undeserving, sinful nature. Have you been at various times in your life when, in an unanticipated and unpredictable way, you are dry as could be, possibly emotionally, maybe financially, maybe something's going on in your family or vocation. I mean something. And you don't know what's going to satisfy your thirst. You just know you are increasingly thirsty. And God has provided. And the only way you could explain your sustenance is bear. God has provided wells. I took this passage as an opportunity to just sit back and reflect. To go back in time and mark the times when I came upon a well when I needed the well because I was thirsty, when it was provided for me in a most unlikely place 
and an innermost unlikely way. And I drank from it. And when I was satisfied, I could not, if you asked me, I could not say, I could not explain my well-being to anything but that the Lord of life is the Lord of love. He loves me. And though I'm in the desert, he has provided a well for me. Has he not done it for you? Please mark those spots because I think we could anticipate increasing dryness in the days ahead in various ways. It has to be this way for a world in rebellion against God, and we live in it. It has to be that a good God will allow us to perform the experiment of life without him so as for us to be persuaded it doesn't work. It has to be that increasing dryness will be permitted so that many of us will turn with more passion and devotion to him than ever before. And so you can anticipate, I don't think, great improvement. I don't want to be a pessimist or anything, just a realist. I think you can anticipate a downward spiral of things economically and morally and in many other ways, but look for the well. Why? Because the Lord of life is also the Lord of love. He loves you. So water in the desert, what a blessing. God provided it, and God provides it. Wells of water in the wilderness. They're in a desert place. They are thirsty, and yet their thirst is satisfied. How could they explain it? We have great irrigation techniques. We have brilliant science. No, God did this. God provided. Hasn't he done this for you? I find myself of late missing uh, memorializing the wells and looking only to the wars and worries. They're there and cannot be denied. But what about the wells? Can't you, almost every one of you, if I invited you to, couldn't you come here and testify? Couldn't you say, I was famished, I was dry. I remember the time as if it was yesterday. In fact, it was yesterday. But God provided for my needs. And that's the explanation for why I sit here tonight struggling. Yeah, sure. A little battered and bruised. Of course, welcome to the journey, but sustained. And the explanation is water in the wilderness. You know, this God in the book of Numbers, we've seen it, has provided water before. Do you remember one time when he provided it for the people from a rock? But now from a well. You know why? Uh, the Lord of life, who is the Lord of love, is not limited to the means by which he provides for our needs. Hasn't he provided for your needs in unanticipated, unpredictable, unusual ways? Hasn't he done it? And haven't you been so delighted by how attentive he is to your heart cry? Haven't you just been overwhelmed by the blessing? Haven't you just paused? Haven't you been paralyzed by gratitude? And hasn't it strengthened your confidence in Almighty God? 
It's not because you're so resilient. It's not because you pulled yourself up by your own bootstraps. It's not because of anything you did. It's not even because of anything you didn't do. It's because you're in a bond with the Lord of life. He rescued you. You permitted him to. You asked him to, like the lady who we saw publicly declare her faith in Christ through baptism. Like her, you accepted God's redemption and rescue. And he's the explanation for why you're here. It suddenly occurred to me during my times of worry, I'm a worrier, uh, especially when I watch the news and stuff and make the mistake of reading too much of what's going on. Oh my goodness, it just it just extinguishes any hope and peace and joy. And, and then there's a well. And then there's a well. As if God says, it is a desert experience. You're not home yet. There is going to be a measure of discomfort because you're an alien and stranger here. But I've not brought you out into this place to abandon you I've brought you forth every single challenge you have thus far faced. Will I be different with you tomorrow? You, have you heard the word Ebenezer? Sometimes you see Ebenezer Baptist Church. A lot of churches named Ebenezer. It's actually two words, Hebrew, Eben Etzer. And it means rock or stone of help. They set up a stone monument sometime in the Old Testament so as to say, thus far, Ben Etzer, the Lord has been our rock of help. And I got the impression that they sort of, at least in their mind, moved the rock every day. So today is September something, 20, thank you, September 21st. Let me tell you, you could say the same thing. Here's the explanation for how I made it to September 21st, Ben Etzer. Uh, the Lord is my rock. What about September 22nd? I don't have any idea. But I suspect if God determines to elongate your days or mine one more day, then we'll move the rock from the 21st to the 22nd, and it will be September 22nd, Eben Etzer, and possibly September 23rd, and then we'll be asked or ask ourselves, how did I get through that? How did I get from there to here? How did it all work out? Oh my goodness, as I look back, those wars and those worries don't loom so large because there's a well in the wilderness. It's not self-improvement. It's not human potential. It's not positive thinking. I didn't imagine a well. I didn't speak it into existence. God provided the well. He's the explanation. It's a little embarrassing, isn't it? To reduce the sum total of your life to this simple explanation. I'm here. Because the Lord of life is the Lord of love. And he's loved me through it all thus far. That's what it's reduced to. That's the way it is. It was with Israel, so it is with God came through. You know, it makes... You know, that stuff makes you want to sing. And Israel did. Look, verse 17. Then Israel sang this song, Spring Up, Oh Well. 
Spring up a well. Sing to it the well which the leaders sank, which the nobles of the people dug, which the scepter, with the scepter and with their staffs. And from the wilderness they continued. Now they moved on. And from Matanah to Nahaliel, and from Nahaliel to Bamoth, and from Bamoth to the valley that is in the land of Moab, at the top of Pisgah, which overlooks the waste, is Mount Nebo area. It's on the Jordan side. So if you turn this way, you're looking over the Jordan River Valley. You're looking east to the promised land. Now they had their first clear panoramic view of the land of Mount Nebo. Moses was up there buried. That's as close as he got. Remember, he couldn't enter into the promised land. But that you can go to Mount Nebo today, and you could see it on a clear day. You could see all this land. You look right into Jericho. You see date palms. It's a land of milk and honey. Oh, well, the exhilarating experience it must have been for this people. 40 years and going in circles in the desert. And now finally the place, the parcel of land that God promised to them will be theirs. They'll be able to slow down. They'll be able to settle in. They'll have houses. They'll grow crops. It'll be their land. They could taste it, but not so quickly. Verse 23. Then, after this exhilarating experience, Israel sent messengers to a fellow named Sihon, or Sihon, king of the Amorites, saying, let me pass through your land. Uh, we won't turn off into the field or vineyard. We're not going to drink water from wells. We're going to go by the king's highway. I pointed out to you one time, it exists even today. It's a north-south road, king's highway. Until we've passed through your border. That's what they say. Moses sent an emissary with a message to the king. It's your territory. We mean you no harm. We're not going to exhaust your precious resources. We won't take your crops, drink your water. We'll bring our own. Just let us pass through. You know, the shortest distance between two points is a straight line. We want to go from the south to the north on the king's highway. Is that okay? Here's the response, verse 23. But Sihon would not permit Israel to pass through his border and so Sihon gathered all his people and went out against Israel. He didn't, even, he didn't just say no. He said, I'm bringing my army. He came to Jahaz and fought against it. Imagine yourself, your ancient Israel, 40 years in the wilderness. Good night. You're a little tired of your wilderness journey. They were tired of theirs. But now they see the land of promise from Mount Pisgah. All they're asking is to pass through this guy's territory. They don't want anything from him. You would think the logical response would be, sure. He says, not on your life, and let's fight. What are they thinking? Maybe they're thinking, ah, maybe this Lord of life isn't really the Lord of love. You ever think that when you run into stuff like this? Sure you have. You're a human. That's why you have. I have too. These are times in the wilderness journey when our confidence in God is tested. And lots of times we don't pass the test. Lots of times we can't explain what God allows us to be exposed to. Good night. Why do you give me a look into the promised land and then put this obstacle in the way? Isn't 40 years enough? You do the same thing, don't you? You say, why, God? If I'm expected to love you and trust you, why this? I know the promise of eternity, but why all these bumps in the road until I get there? What is it supposed to produce in my life? That's so good. So I'm sure that's a little bit about what there's going, they're going through. And you know why? They just don't get it. Neither do you or I. They just don't have the right perspective. They're just not, 
They don't have all the pieces of the puzzle. They will learn later why God allowed even this to happen. You know what they'll say? They'll, they said this, the same thing we'll say when we see God face. You know what we'll say? Oh, I should have trusted you more. That's what everyone here is going to say. Do you know that? Every one of God's kids here is going to say, I should have trusted you more. You know what I think he's going to say? You're right. But don't worry about it. Let me dry those tears. Welcome home. So anyway, this is happening, an obstacle in the way. But why did God allow it? Look, verse 24. Then Israel struck him with the edge of the sword, this king, and took, and took possession of his land from the Arnon to the Jabbok. It's, again, present-day Jordan. As far as the sons of Ammon, for the border of the sons of Ammon was Jazer. Israel took all these cities, and Israel lived in all the cities of the Amorites in Heshbon and in all her villages. And now Israel realized why God allowed Sihon's heart to be hardened and put him as an obstacle in their way. It gave an opportunity for them to see how God will give them the victory, and we need it. We need wells, and we need winds in the course of our wilderness journey. You need it, and I need it. God is unseen. I've not seen him. Perhaps he's made himself visible to you. I can't say whether he did or not. I'm just telling you, I have never seen God. I just see the manifestation of his character all the time, but sometimes I miss it. And he is so gracious and patient with me, just like with you. Sometimes he shows me very graphic, clear walls that I can't overcome and then wins in overcoming it so that I could, when I get on the other side, say, oh, God, you are trustworthy. And so he gave them this experience so that their confidence in him would rise, but also that they would have land. Do you notice they did not obtain this land by conquest? Neither has Israel obtained her present land by conquest. The land our president wants her to give up is not hers in a war of conquest. It's hers in, a war, in wars imposed upon her, and God gave the land. The Golan Heights was not taken by Israel in an attempt to conquer Syria. Syria attacked. God gave the victory. Israel's in the... Don't get me started. So, 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 so... So anyway, uh, yeah, you know the two and a half tribes that settled on the western side of the Jordan River, Manasseh, Gad, this is their territory right here. See, they'll look back years later and they'll say, oh, now we see why you permitted, though you love us, now we see why you permitted this obstacle, this conflict, this opposition, this challenge, this assault, unprovoked. Now we see by why Sihon was, was energized. You energized him. You allowed his heart to be hardened so that it would give us an opportunity to see you give us the victory, to give us the land. You see? Look, folks. <clears throat> Wars and worries but plenty of wells and winds, which God has given to us down to this very day. So uh, Israel lived in the land of the Amorites, and then they turned and they went up by the way of Bashan, and Og, another guy, Og, so 
That's an interesting name. Og, the king of Bashan, went out with all his people for battle. So now, oh my goodness. Another war, another battles. Not enough Sihon opposed them. They're traveling north now. Now this is getting closer to the Golan Heights, actually, this area of Bashan. And they run into this guy, Og, who comes uh, against them. But the Lord said to Moses, don't fear him. I've given him into your hand and all his people in his land. And you shall do to him as you did to Sihon, king of the Amorites. See, if they didn't have the experience with Sihon, they couldn't draw on it. Same with us. If we didn't have challenges and conflict and opposition and tough and turmoil and stuff like that, and then see God give the victory, then we wouldn't be able to say the next time we have a challenge, we'd have no record of God being faithful. We couldn't look back and say, oh, God, as you sustained me before, so too you will sustain me, sustain me now. So that's what God says. Just remember how it was with Sihon. It'll be the same with this guy. So verse 35, they killed him and his sons and all his people until there was no remnant left and they possessed his land. Okay. So. So how can Israel be explained? How can Israel's deliverance from bondage to a mighty empire, Egypt, be explained? How could Israel's sustenance in 40 years of wilderness wandering, how could it be explained? How could Israel's victory over Sihon and Og and all the rest, how could, Israel be, how could it be explained that Israel would come into the land? How could it be explained that Israel would be dispersed from the land for thousands of years? How could it be explained that Israel would be brought back into the land in 1948? How could it be that just about every country in the world wants Israel out? Just about. Watch out. United Nations. 22 member countries of the United Nations are members of the Arab League. 57 are members of an organization called the Organization of Islamic Countries, 57. In excess of 25 nations in the UN are members of the wonderful EU, the European Union. Is Israel going to get a fair shake from those nations? 50-plus Muslim-dominated nations. One Jewish state, the residents of which consist of a million and a half Arab citizens, approximately five and a half to six million dinky Jews in a dinky country. Is Israel going to get a fair shake by the UN? I don't think so. I don't think so. <clears throat> Are you? I don't think so. I don't think so. But will you be sustained? Yeah. Will Israel? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Why? Because the Lord of life is the Lord of love. I'll tell you how Israel is explained. Some Israelis explain their existence on the basis of their strong military. It is strong, but that's not a good explanation. 
You don't get outnumbered 50 to 1 and win it and think you're so hot. That's when you fall to your knees and you say, oh, God, wells and winds in the wilderness. How's Israel's existence explained? Same way yours is. Five words, and I'd like you to memorize them. We'll go slow. For his loving kindness is everlasting. Can you try that with me? For his loving kindness is everlasting. That's the explanation for Israel's existence. That's the explanation for you being here today. Say it with me again. Do you mind? For his loving kindness is yeah, yeah. How did I get this far? For his loving kindness is everlasting. Do I have a future and a hope? Of course. Why? For his loving kindness is everlasting. Will I be provided for, though I don't know how? Yes. For his loving kindness is everlasting. Do I have a cause for hope? A cause for joy? Yes. In spite of what I feel right now, the tense pain perhaps some of you are experiencing this very moment. Will it always be this way? It will not. Why? For his loving kindness is everlasting. In spite of the world's situation, which is so burdensome, will it be okay with me? Will I be all right? Will I make it? Yes! For his loving kindness is everlasting. Those words are so significant. They are recorded in a song in the Bible. It's actually called a psalm. And that uh, phrase is repeated many times, but it's not vain and meaningless repetition. And what happens is uh, there's a phrase in each of the verses of this psalm, a phrase, and then the next phrase is what you just memorized, for his loving kindness is everlasting. And then that goes through until you've got about 26 verses of it. Why? It's to show that in Israel's experience, every event in her life was intertwined with this reality, for his loving kindness is everlasting. And it's not in there because of Israel alone. It's in there because of you. So I wonder if you would do this with me. Let's do it the way ancient Israel did. The first part would have been recited by a priest or a Levite. And then the, in, responsively, then the second part would have been uttered by the congregation. Do you mind doing this? I know it's repeated a lot, but I just want you to see the chorus of God's loving kindness with reference to Israel, but I want you to put yourself in the mix. I want you to say, but I'm a member of the new, far better, covenant. I'm God's son or daughter. I'm a member of the people of God. This is all true of me. So what, see, how, see how God's loving kindness is manifested through all the events in Israel. So we'll start. I'll say the first. It's Psalm 136, in case you're wondering. I'll say the first part. You'll say the second. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. For his... Give thanks to the God of gods. Give thanks to the Lord of lords. To him alone who does great wonders. To him who made the heavens with skill. To him who spread out the earth above the waters. To him who made the great lights. 
the sun to rule by day, the moon and stars to rule by night, to him who smote the Egyptians and their firstborn, and brought Israel out from their midst. With a strong hand and an outstretched arm. To him who divided the Red Sea asunder. And made Israel pass through the midst of it. But he overthrew Pharaoh and his army in the Red Sea. To him who led his people through the wilderness. To him who smote great kings and slew mighty kings. Sihon, king of the Amorites, and Og, king of Bashan, and gave their land as a heritage, even a heritage to Israel his servant who remembered us in our low estate and has rescued us from our adversaries, who gives food to all flesh. Give thanks to the God of heaven, for his loving kindness is ever. <sighs> Take those five words. Insert it into headlines in the Houston Chronicle, CNN, Fox News, presidential debates, job acts. <laughs> Insert it. For his loving kindness is everlasting. For his loving kindness. Intermingled with every life event that impacts on you, whom the Lord of life loves, is this reality. For his loving kindness is everlasting. I don't understand Sihon in the way. I don't understand why a guy with a funny name like Og wants to kill me. One day I will. Right now I accept that his loving kindness is everlasting. Chesed is the word. Would you say that with me? Chesed. Chesed. You did good. It's not uh, erotic love, romantic love. We don't want to cheapen this. Chesed love. It's loyal love. It's covenant love. It's steadfast love. It's unconditional love. It's the kind of love that will not let me go. For his chesed love is everlasting. It's love which is incomparable. You can't liken it to anything for its depth and duration. It's very deep. And it's everlasting. There's nothing like it. Whatever else may befall you. Wars, I understand that. And worries, I live here too. Still, don't miss wells and winds. For his loving kindness is everlasting. That phrase explains how we got this far. Nothing else is a fit explanation. That phrase explains how we're going to get on, move on. 
when sometimes you don't have the strength, maybe not even the will, to go on. Some are carrying enormous loads as you sit here tonight. Thank God for you being here tonight. You're in good company. You belong here. You have shared pain with the number of the rest of us. You don't know about tomorrow. Ah, we understand that. But there be tomorrow for his loving kindness is everlasting. His chesed love. See, as long as God exists, his love for you will exist because God is love. <laughs> see, his love is everlasting because he are everlasting. You see, if you're tied to a political administration that has a brief, I hope, shelf life, <laughs> if you're tied to a relationship on a human level, it has a brief shelf life. If you're tied to a job, a source of oh, health, physical, all these things have, if that's what you're looking for as the explanation for your well-being, they all have a very short shelf life. But, 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 but if you're looking to something to really attach yourself to and hope in, explain your sustenance, look for something that's everlasting. For his loving kindness is everlasting. The very waywardness of Israel did not diminish it, and neither will yours. That's why they're in the book, you say. I know there are people who want to get rid of Israel, but you get rid of Israel, you get rid of a marvelous illustration of the grace of God. Not the virtue of Israel. I'm not preaching that. I'm talking about the grace of God in spite of Israel's failings. Why is it in there? Just to give you, you assurance. Uh, God's love is everlasting in spite of your failings as well. Since your God is everlasting... His loving kindness for you is everlasting. Which leads me to this closing question. Is he your God? Is he your God? I was coming uh, before the service there. I was walking up in the hallway and two ladies, I don't know who they were, they were walking this way. And I wasn't trying to eavesdrop. I really, I really wasn't. I didn't, I mean, I didn't have to. They were speaking so loudly. You, uh, <laughs> But it was a beautiful conversation. And one said, I accepted Jesus as my Savior on January 9th, 2000, and I didn't hear the rest. Someone said. Thank you for not keeping that secret. <laughs> and I appreciate your loud and clear voice. Seriously, that was you? Mazel tov. Congratulations. You know, uh, I'll tell you what you did for a little guy like this. It reminded me that everything we're about matters. He saved you. You accepted his salvation. You know the day. You know the day. He's your God. He's everlasting. His loving kindness for you is everlasting. What about others? Is he your God in the same sense in which... What's your name? Leanne, nice to meet you. These are rather awkward circumstances, but still... 
<laughs> Very pleasant to meet you. <laughs> I promise not to read your emails. This was just... Um, so imagine this. Here stands by Almighty God who says, uh, I have a volume, if you could quantify it, I, I have this unending volume of love. And I am just waiting for your permission to let me pour it out upon you, in you, forever. This boggles. And then he waits for your response. And you say, I accept your kind intentions. I accept the premier manifestation of your love for me. <gasps> your own son in my place. An excruciating death on a cross. A death he didn't deserve. I did for my sin, my transgression, my iniquity, my rebellion, my everything. Your love is not an abstraction. It's not a mere declaration. It's a demonstration on the cross. Could it be that there would be even one here tonight? Would you harden your heart to a God like that? Would you hurt his heart, a heart of love? Would you invalidate his manifestation of love? His irreplaceable, one-of-a-kind, only-begotten son, here he is. You spat upon him. You placed on his head a crown of sharp thorns. You impaled him on a cross. You stripped him naked. You held him in full view. You mocked him and scorned him. I saw it coming. I saw you participating in it. I forgive you. Will you accept my forgiveness? Are you so hard-hearted that you explain your existence, your being here on the basis of your own strength and virtue? And are you so hearted that you would tell this God, I can continue to make it on my own without you? Don't do it. Take Leanne's Savior. <laughs> Say, come into my life, Lord Jesus. I accept you as my substitute for my sin on the cross. I also accept that you left me with another manifestation of love and power, a tomb that's empty. <laughs> I accept that you rose up from death. I accept that you're seated alongside your father a well-deserved position of honor and respect. I accept and invite you to take up your abode 
abode and establish yourself in my life, inside. I ask you to shed your love abroad in my heart so that I translate from this day forward everything that befalls me in light of this phrase, for his loving kindness for me is everlasting. It's a very sad thing if all that we spoke about we repeated that phrase 26 some odd times. It would be very sad if it's left without application to you. And almighty God, gentle as he is, simply waits for you to say, I accept you. Could I pray for you? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, you know everybody here, but not everybody here knows you. What a shame. I think that hurts your heart, for you desire a relationship with those who you've made. I pray there be not one here, therefore, who simply would... Take the evening as another life experience without application. Instead, I pray that you would save those who need to be saved. That you would impress upon them your presence, your holiness, your gentleness, your compassion, your love, your willingness to sustain, your willingness to forgive sin because of blood outpoured your own for us. I pray in the power of your spirit you would impress those truths upon the lives of those who have not yet accepted you. May nobody here reject you tonight. Say, come into my life. Lord Jesus, forgive me, a sinner. Establish your presence in my life. Take care of me for I cannot take care of myself oh God forgive me for I owe you a debt due to my sin which I cannot pay be my savior be my Lord take my hand let every event in my life be characterized by this marvelous truth for his loving kindness is everlasting this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.